Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with somebody who I uh, met recently about a month ago, and I was sort of struck by her energy and her personality and her charisma. And um, it's sort of cool when you meet somebody like that because they inspire you and they make you want to make the most out of your day and say, wow, I can't believe this person's really enjoying everything about her day. Maybe I can pick up the pace a little bit too. Uh, uh, I want to introduce you all to Josette Kasik, who is a Zumba uh, global uh, influencer, uh, instructor, very well known. You do a little uh, internet search and you can find all the great things that she has done. Um, And I could go on and on talking about her, but we're here to talk to her about her amazing journey and her amazing life. Josette, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing today? Oh, Josh, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, like I said, you know, I met when I was uh, covering a story and you were out at Chase Palm Park and you were leading the Zumba class with lots and lots of people outside. And it was just sort of this amazing energy and people were wanting to talk to me so they could say what a great program you were running. And so I was just sort of impressed. And then I did some research and found out that, you know, you've got quite a little, an interesting story in terms of your journey and what you've overcome. So that's what I want to talk to you about uh, today. You know, you've been sort of a dynasty in Santa Barbara. When I mentioned to people that I was writing a story about you, they're like, oh yeah, I know Josette. I know I've been to her class. She's great, blah, blah. So, um, you know, you're very well known. Um, let's talk a little bit about you and your, your your Zumba instruction. Talk to me about what that is, what that means to you, and how you've been able to, to grow this and sort of have this international presence, uh, you know, right here in Santa Barbara. Thank you. Well, I actually kind of started by accident. I had gotten my Zumba license to teach um, back in January of 2011, and I had it in my pocket. I wasn't planning on ever using it. I was living in South Florida at the time. My husband's a polo player, so he was playing in uh, West Palm Beach. And um, Florida was kind of the booming place to be for Zumba. And I really loved dancing. I was a dancer as a child. So it just kind of fell into place for me. Um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in two, um, a month later, a month after I got that. And I was actually completely disabled. I wasn't able to move. Um, <clears throat> I got RA very suddenly. It hit me in the middle of the night. It's just an absolute, the worst thing that could possibly happen. You go to bed awesome and you can't get up when you wake up. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was, as it turned out to be, um, I was, uh, had advanced numbers. So my, my disease was advanced. Um, I lost the function of this elbow within 10 days. So it was attacking my body pretty rapidly. So that was how I kind of started. And I know that's a funny start, but at the same time that I was getting this disease, a friend of mine had emailed that they were looking for a Zoom instructor in Santa Barbara at Mm. the city. Santa Barbara and I had been trying to get back to Santa Barbara. My husband was playing polo in Austria and he was um, doing the European circuit. And I just said, I want to go back home. I want to go back to Santa Barbara. And it was the perfect opportunity, but mm, I couldn't move. So it was kind of, um, it was kind of interesting. I flew out to Santa Barbara 
I stretched um, and faked it as best I could when I sat down and I said, I really want to do this. I need to do this. I need to be back in Santa Barbara. I need to be here um, where my heart is. And I need to dance um, because I was silently dealing with a lot of choices and a lot of um, decisions to make in terms of how I was going to handle my disease. So, so what was that process like? Did you wake up one morning and all of a sudden your body felt a certain way or was it a gradual process? Talk to me about that moment when you realize, uh-oh, something's up. Yeah, I had had a little bit of fibromyalgia before uh, RA hit me. So I was, I was kind of dealing with that, but it wasn't so severe that it prevented me from doing anything. And I woke up at three o'clock in the morning screaming and my husband was what's going on and i i couldn't move my neck my knees were both like this they were they were swollen to the point where the pain was just unbearable and my elbow it felt like somebody was breaking my bones and um we rushed to the er and they were they couldn't understand what was going on with me they said we don't know we're, we're going to send some blood tests out and they did basic blood scans, they couldn't figure it out. And then the next day they said, you need to go straight to rheumatology because we have a feeling you have autoimmune disease. And sure enough, that's that's what it came back as. So what, what did the doctors tell you? What, what should you have done in order to, to uh, deal with this problem? Well, they have a pretty you know standard regimen for RA. It's um, prednisone, which is steroids. Uh, methotrexate, which is, um, it's a chemotherapy drug, Humira or a biologic, which shuts down your immune system to stop the immune response. Um, all of this, of course, I, you know, before I had this career, I was a research paralegal. Um, uh, back in my teens, my late teens and early twenties, I was a research paralegal. So my first instinct is to go and do some research on what they're telling me. Mm -hmm. And, um, basically all of those combined were, would take about 15 to 20 years off my life. And, um, I couldn't do that because I was a new mom. My son was two and I sought out a better way. Okay. So, so it was basically medication. It was a lot of uh, drugs. Prednisone is a steroid. Um, and so that was sort of anti-inflammation or that was sort of, the effort. So what did you do? You're like, I can't do that. What did you do? No, I couldn't do it. And I, I actually had several arguments with, because I went to different specialists saying, tell me another way. Don't just give me this list. I've seen the list. You know, they try and get you in a remission. Um, and the last doctor, he was actually the head of Palm Beach County rheumatology. And he looked at me and he said, what medical school did you go to? Uh oh. <laughs> and I said, um, I said, this is my body. This is my life. This is, I'm a dancer. This is, I have a two-year-old. I want to go to the park. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I, my husband had to carry me up and downstairs. I couldn't do anything. And I thought, I, I said, this is, this is not how I can live. And they, they said, there is no other way. The only thing that you're going to find are a bunch of quacks out there trying to tell you there's another way. There is no other way. And that was it for me. I didn't want to go back to the doctors because they made me feel so small. And so 
like I knew nothing and that's not the team I wanted when I was in that situation. So mm -hmm. I ended up coming back and, and the first thing I found is pH with your body. Um, in doing research in Switzerland, there's a, there's a homeopathic clinic that specializes in autoimmune diseases and they start with your body pH and your gut. And uh, basically you can get a litmus test at any drugstore and pee on it and it'll tell you how acidic and how, or how alkaline your blood and your body is. Mm. And um, I did that and it was so acidic, it was almost off the charts. And I said, mm. okay, let's start here. So I stopped eating and drinking everything. And I ate like a rabbit for, I was just eating greens, lettuce, raw greens um, for a good year, really. But it definitely helped. It started the progress. I mean, there was a lot of um, detoxing that happened. There was yeah. something called a Herxheimer reaction, which is your body goes into almost like a a feverish flu state because you've got so much toxins coming out of your mm. body. Um, but long story short, um, I did the alkaline. I took care of my gut. I changed my mindset. I stopped, you know, the lot, there's a lot of crappy people and a lot of crappy situations. And I just stopped, learned how to say, no, mm. this is my life. This is my moment. We only have a certain number of hours that we're gifted and it's up to us to choose how we, spend those hours that were gifted on this planet. And I really made a practice out of shifting that stress, shifting that, that choice, the choices of my life. And about um, three years in, one of the students in my class is a board certified doctor. Mm. And she saw me, she goes, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Cause you're clearly you, if you're in remission, like she just, she just don't, she kept saying, don't you want to know? And I'm like, no, I'm dancing. Why would I care? I'm fine. And she said, well, I want to know. So she took my blood, um, ran a bunch of tests, sent it down to UCLA, had rheumatologists look at it, had specialists look at it. And then she sat me down and she said, we're declaring you a medical miracle because you don't have any sign of the disease in your blood. Mm. You didn't have any sign of anything in your blood. And, and she said, I've looked at the blood test and you, and I took tons of blood tests before to try and make sure there was nothing else. And she goes, this is not possible. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I'm here and I know that everybody keeps saying it's not possible, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> So, so is it something that uh, you still manage daily? I mean, you have to, it's a, is it a diet thing and an attitude thing? No, it's, it's just not there. Oh, I don't have RA. I haven't had RA uh, for years. I, I, I don't even think about it anymore. Um, I have no disability. I'm totally able. I mean, I can't, I haven't gotten my elbow back, but I'm, I'm working on it. Um, no, I don't think about it every day. I do make conscious decisions about what I put into my body. I make conscious decisions about, you know, how I handle life's stress because it does happen. Yeah. Um, I'm a sensitive person and I've learned to make that my superpower. Um, my passion and, 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 you know, being emotional and being touched by a lot of different things can make you crazy one way or another, but I've learned to kind of navigate it in a good way. Yeah. You know, when I watched you, uh, for a few minutes while reporting that story when you were leading the dance um, at, at Chase Palm Park, um, 
and this is a bit of a um, an understatement, but you know, most most dancers and most people who are leading dances, they look comfortable. They look like they they belong there and they know what they're doing. But with you, it sort of felt like there was an extra layer there. It was sort of like you weren't really just doing this because you're leading a class and it's a business. You were doing it because it felt like you were uh, loving it, like you were actually loving being connected to all of those people in that moment. Can you talk to me about where you learned to dance and, and, and where that came from and how you feel when you are dancing? That's the super secret sauce, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I danced, I learned how to dance. I, I can dance. I know I, I, was a, I was a pro at Joffrey Ballet in New York. I studied in New York City. I did summers at Juilliard. So technique, I got. I'm okay. there. I was actually, I dated, um, my first boyfriend was, I don't know if you're, this may date me pretty well, but it was Dougie Fresh. Okay. It was a rapper back in the 80s. I was at the High School of Performing Arts in New York and uh-huh. Dougie Fresh was just coming onto the scene. The hip hop was just coming onto the scene. We were, we were breaking in the streets in New York and, um, I was how, like, how, how long did you date? Now, this, this is like a whole other podcast here. <laughs> not very long. He uh, was in Brooklyn and I was in Queens at the time. So it was a little bit, we only met up when we were at school in the city. Um, but anyway, so I knew how to dance. But what I think, um, there's a lot of people that know how to dance. What I'm gifted with is that sensitivity is I feel energy. I'm really sensitive to energy and I know how to, to kind of um, amplify that feeling to people. That's my, that's my, that's what I love is I love kind of generating this super blissful euphoria. And then I can amplify that. And I know that if I can connect, not with everybody, but when I can connect with people and look them in the eye, there's a switch that goes on and it's during the music and during the dancing, there's a, there's, it's, it's kind of like a, a tornado of stuff that's happening. Um, and we share these, this bliss and people kind of fall into their own alignment with their heart and their soul. And, and I also have to say a little bit, it's not me. There's a bigger energy at work with, with what I'm doing. I kind of know how to open the channel and just let it go. Yeah. What I noticed about you is, is outwardly, it would be easy to label you as an extrovert, right? It would be easy to say, oh, she's super outgoing. She's an extrovert and she loves people and she loves that interaction. I think to a large degree, that's true. But what, what, what resonated with me was, was not that because there are a lot of extroverts and they can be overwhelming, right? They can be very self-focused. They can be all about them. What resonated with me in that short interview we did was uh, you were actually an introvert who was focusing very closely on the details of people. And that's rare when you have the extrovert who's outgoing, but you also have the introvert who is actually really comfortable with one-on-one. And so I'm wondering if you could talk about what your childhood was like and your upbringing and, and, what, what was it like for you? Were you the, the loud kid in the classroom? Were you the quiet one? Did you make the switch one day? Can you walk me through that? 
Wow, that's a great question, Josh. I was an introvert. Uh, in fact, I never even was asked out to the prom. I, I read books. Um, I like to be in my imagination. I like to dance, wrote music, wrote songs. Um, I spent a lot of time dancing. So I was in, in dance classes performing. I did off-Broadway work. So I was always kind of in creative, but at the end of the day, I never had tons of friends. I just would go home and read my books or um, do that. So, I, and I grew up with, uh, my mom is the daughter of an ambassador. She's the daughter of the first ambassador of Haiti to the United States. My mom's from Haiti. Um, and my father's from Holland. So um, the, the Haiti upbringing, you know, we were dancing all the time. There was merengue going on all the time. There was amazing food and there was a joie de vivre that we had. Um, and my dad was more of a stiff upper lip kind of a person. Mm -hmm. So um, growing up was quiet. It was really quiet and focused on dancing and education. So, so you were, were you, did you have a mom or, or your dad or both of them? Did they put you in a program at five years old and say, you're going to be a dancer or what was that like? Yeah. I mean, I was three. They okay. Put, they put me in right smack in ballet and my brother in tennis. That was how it was going to be. And it was six days a week yeah. dance, um, all throughout my entire life. And I'm very grateful for it. I really am. You know, um, I think my parents did the best they could they were just trying to stay stay up with the status quo and you know as my mom was like i said she was the daughter of an ambassador so she had a pretty big status quo to kind of um stick with and i think they did the best they can um ultimately um i found uh much more power inside of me than i did outside of me okay and so you and you told me you grew up in new york right you grew up in New York, so in New York City. So, so how, it must be tough to be an introvert growing up in New York with all that stimulation, right? So, uh, how did you go from from? And I'm a parent, so I know what it's like to put your kid in a program and have them work every day, multiple hours, more than anyone else, because you believe they have the um, potential. Right. And so you want to invest in them. Um, so I know what that's like. But at what point did you sort of, um, you know, decide that, hey, I want to do something for myself. I want to do something different. You left New York and you came somewhere else. What, when did you start sort of living your dream as opposed to your parents? Well, I didn't really know what my dream was. And again, that's a really good question. I was forced out of dancing. Um, I was company at Joffrey Ballet, 1985, 86, 80, 85, 86. Um, and I'm short and I'm not super skinny and I have body parts that were being taped. I was literally, my, my chest was taped so as to not be a distraction on stage. Um, and I hit a point where they actually approached me and said, we need you to have some reduction surgery if you're going to continue with company. Um, and you need to stop eating basically for a little while. Cause I was had a little, you know, I was what 15, 16. So I was starting to develop and, um, did not come from a skinny family. I just didn't, it's not in my DNA. And 
it was really that moment where I thought I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to stand in any line um, with a bunch of tall, skinny women. And that at that time, um, that was before kind of people embraced different bodies. But at that time, it was very strict. You had to be a certain way. I could dance like nobody's business, but I didn't fit the the mold that they wanted. Yeah. So I, I left dancing around 16. Okay. So um, was that a betrayal to you? I mean, did you feel like you'd given all this thing, all this, and you're so qualified, you're so good, you're just as skilled, if not more, but the industry says we want something else. How did you react to that? God, it was so long ago. I know I started smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. Oh, no. I remember oh. that, trying to get skinny because that's what you did when you were 16 in New York and you were a dancer. Yeah. I started smoking so I didn't eat I mean obviously it 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 definitely caused some eating disorders I'll say that um it it caused some intense insecurities I doubted everything I was doing I didn't know who I was and I it was the most amazing journey other than my RA and I'm so grateful for it because um you know we don't ever learn when everything's all great and funny and wonderful we always evolve and expand and learn and grow when you know, the crap hits the fan. So um, yes, it was a betrayal. Yes, there was trauma. Yes, I still to this day will look in the mirror and go, I don't know why they're still coming to my class. I'm like, I need to go on a diet. And luckily I have my husband who will shake me and go, please don't do this, you know, don't go there again. And, and he kind of reminds me, you know, that I'm still dealing with these, these issues. Um, so, you know, we've all got our stuff, but that definitely traumatized me for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, like as somebody who met you a month ago, like, you know, how you describe those things you deal with, it would be the last thing I would think of. I just saw this like, whoa, burst of energy. You know, who is this person? Um, so you left New York and what, you moved to LA and then you somehow, no, talk to me how you came to Santa Barbara. My, my brother, my big brother was going to UCSB. And uh, I was my senior year of high school in New York. And he said, come visit me. You've got to see this place. And I, I, we were living in Manhattan, 62nd and 3rd. Um, my life was completely different. And I came out here and I remember getting out at Santa Barbara airport and just going, what is this? There's palm trees, it was so beautiful. And I said, people really live here? Like they live like this? And that was, that was it. I graduated high school and moved out here to be with my brother. Um, and then from there, I started at City College, decided I wasn't going to be a dancer. So I went uh, to study law. Okay. Uh, do, I loved research. So I did research and, and uh, did a little bit at Santa Barbara Law School, although I didn't finish. Um, worked as a paralegal for a while and then decided that wasn't right for me. Mm -hmm. So then I went down to LA and started doing performance and acting and I was you know an extra on friends and made made a lot of friends out there and yeah. uh, decided that wasn't for me either so your your brother uh, he went out to UCSB and uh, what, what is he doing now is he um is he, is he um doing anything like what you're doing or no no he lives in West Palm Beach Florida he, he moves back to the east coast he's actually visiting right now because oh. he he um 
he can't stay away from Santa Barbara for very long. It's, it's a little addictive, as you know, um, and it's just the greatest city ever. So he's happy that I'm still here. He just comes to visit. He's retired or he retired at 52, but he worked for the airlines. So it was the perfect, um, the perfect opportunity for him. He worked for American Airlines when uh, COVID hit to, to just say, I'm done. Lucky him, 52, all done, huh? Yeah, well, now he's bored. So he said he's going to try and maybe get a yoga certification or something. I don't know. He wants to work with the environment. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to sort of talk to you about how you go from following your dream to, to you know starting a dance class and just doing that and then having it explode. I mean, you've got a great presence on the internet. You know, these national media companies have done you know international have done stories on you, and you have this reputation as sort of like one of the most well known, prominent Zumba instructors in the world how do you get there right I mean can you talk to me about your first class and how you exploded my first class had three people in it and I couldn't move because I was really sick mm. um, but my heart was in it and I loved it it was an hour where I could emotionally escape all the crap that was going on and I think that also translated again because I can share the way I feel my energy connects with people um, other people kind of started to feel that too it was the hour that they could disconnect and Zumba does that in general I mean Zumba is an amazing program it's just a great program um, I was told that I would be canceled by the city of Santa Barbara um, because I wasn't bringing in anybody so I learned how to market really quick. I called um, some people at Zumba and I said I needed help. And I signed up for some business courses um, just out of the blue. And I learned, I, I hit the books because I do research and I learned how to work, to hustle, to to spread the word, to get the word out, to do offerings. So there's a lot, there was a lot involved. It wasn't just, you know, bring a friend for free, which I still do, um, but to do other offerings and also to pair with uh, charities was a, a big deal for me. Um, offering free classes to let people just kind of come on in. It's free, see what I'm doing. Um, and the city does a free class once a year for everybody. So that was a great opportunity. So it, it exploded um, definitely through a lot of marketing and money invested in, in that, but it also was, it's a good product. There's, it's a good class. People get something out of it. I'm, I know that I'm delivering, um, I'm delivering something every time they come. You know, so I, I believe in what I'm doing and I love what I do and I love the people. So there's a it's it's a little bit more than just, you know, another business. Um, there's a lot of really great businesses out there, but I think the ones that people really jive with are the ones that that you feel something when you walk in there, you know, and I think that that's what this class has is it's, it's definitely it, me aside. There's a community of people. We have a some, some people that met um, in my class just announced that they're getting married. So there's, there's all these little things that happen in that community that's also part of the value of it. 
And I think this is the main point that I wanted to sort of drill down into and, and ask you about it as much as you can define it is, you know, you mentioned a few times that you connect with people and you care and, you know, you're sort of, you're very sensitive to people's uh, space and emotions. And for people who don't have that, that gift, they're sort of like, oh, come on, really? They, because they don't understand it. For people who do have that gift, it's very real. So can you talk about when did you first know that you were able to connect with people in a way that was authentic? Because when I was out there at Chase Palm Park, I mean, it's an open air. It's like the park and there's the beach and there's a whole world out there. Yet it felt like you commanded those people as though you were in like this small little theater because they were all fixated on you and they were copying your moves and some of them are just sort of you know moving and doing their own thing um as well but they felt comfortable enough i mean these aren't you know these aren't people who these are people who feel safe with you and so that's what i wanted to get to is um when did you know that you had that gift to sort of offer people and, and, and how did you sort of come to terms with accepting that I honestly think that the gift, and thank you for that question, because it's something that um, it's, it's, it's a gift that I got with my disease. Hmm. Um, learning how to be authentic happened when I was, when literally everything was taken away from me. I mean, I couldn't get myself dressed. So I was, the identity that I had as a human, you know, a lot of it has to do with your ability to brush your teeth and get dressed. When all of that is taken away, there is a, a deeper, for me, I found um, a deeper sense of who I was. I realized that I wasn't my body. And I realized that to be truly authentic had to come from the heart. It had to come from a deeper place. I, I, I basically started to drink from a deeper well when I got sick. And my relationships with people, the way I present myself, the way I live my life and the way I teach my class is from that deeper well. It's from a very genuine place. And I invite people who come to dance and shake and celebrate and smile to connect with their deeper place. You know, that, that you know, a lot of people just get by living on the surface and there's so much more beauty and depth um, in, in living and coming from a more authentic, real place where you are also presenting, look, I have issues and trauma and I am still gonna commit to this hour where I'm going to dance and smile and celebrate you and celebrate our journey and celebrate this community and no holds bar. I mean, let it all go, get crazy. Nobody's gonna judge you. Um, we're just gonna giggle and laugh. And there is a freedom that I found in that. And I've also been doing it, you know, for 10 years now. So I'm, I'm fairly well practiced at it. <laughs> and, and you're also a mom, right? You have a, you have a young, a young son, is it? So yeah, can you talk, 12. 12 year old. So can you talk about what it's been like? Cause it sounds as though you started your business dancing, you dealt with RA and then you, ha you have a child all around this time. And, you know, having a child is, uh, just on its own like there's so much that that happens to 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 you and you know and, and, and your body and your mind and it's just like so overwhelming it's life-changing obviously in addition to having another human being you're care, caring for 
Can you talk about how you've been able to manage being a mom and, and do and grow and do all of this? Well, he's my inspiration. So you're a parent, you know this. Um, he's my everything. He's the reason I wake up in the morning. He's the reason I open my eyes, to be honest with you. He's the reason I healed myself naturally because had I not been a parent, I probably would have said, who cares about the extra 15 to 20 years off my life? You know, I mean, whatever. Um, he is my inspiration and and being a mom, luckily Zumba is only one hour a day. And my husband is, uh, he works, he's a, he trains horses, he's a polo player. He doesn't play professionally anymore, but he has a school where he teaches children and adults how to play polo. And mm. um, so being a mom has taught me so much about um, not only again, being authentic and living from a deeper place, but my son is, is, he's just, he's extraordinary and he's magical. And we, he's watched me go from sick. He was two when I was, um, when I was diagnosed. And I, I remember vividly the day that he came crying and he said, why don't you pick me up anymore? And it was that, that kind of a moment. And those moments were multiple where I said, I got to do something else. Like this is my everything. And he still remains my everything. He, um, he's an extraordinary human being and he is very supportive of people and he wants to be an uplifter. He, he goes everywhere he goes and he just tries to uplift people and keep them smiling and laughing. So I'm very lucky. There's a, there are a lot of people who um, <clears throat> have dreams, right? They they have things that they want to do, and then for whatever reason they they don't pull the trigger, they never take that step, or maybe they do start, and then it gets really difficult, and then they stop. Um, you seem to have done it a few times, you know, where you persevered and were you sort of made something your own, you made success out of it in a non traditional way right? You were, you described yourself as, you know, you hustled, you learned marketing, you just made it happen. Uh, you know, you dealt with some issues as a teenager, and you overcame that, you overcame RA. And so you have this ability to <clears throat> persevere and just fight through it and get it done. What would you say to, you know, people who, who are like, oh, that can never be me. I, I could never do that. Um, I have these other things that Josette doesn't have to deal with. So I can't do that. Um, I just don't want to take that chance because I know I'm going to fail and it's going to be worse. And then I'm going to have to deal with the rejection as well. Can you talk to me about just going for it and following your dreams and, and what happens if you make it and what happens if you don't? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I just want to say again, I was getting canceled. My class was getting canceled. So part of growing is failing. And I, there was no way I could have, um, I could have known where my class was going. It's not like I knew I was going to be successful with all the stuff that was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to get canceled. I didn't know that people were going to show up. But what I did is I took one day at a time and looked in the mirror and said, who are you? How are you showing up today? And is this what you came here for? Because again, when I got sick, I realized that every moment is sacred and it doesn't belong to anybody else. It belongs to ourselves. And perhaps now I'm in a position where I say, if you doubt your capacity, 
to do something, if you doubt your capacity to heal, if you doubt your capacity to be successful, then let me be the little lighthouse because if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm not an anomaly. We're all human. We're all, whatever journey you're on, um, I'm just standing here saying that, yeah, adversity is going to happen. Disease could happen. These things can happen. But being true to yourself and following your dreams, not everybody else's dreams, not the peanut gallery's dreams, you know, that's a big thing too is, I had to block a lot of voices out, not only have the courage to say to the doctors, I'm done with you, which was, a, you know, my family was just mortified. They're like, what are you doing? You're a mother, listen to the doctors. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. The only person that kind of looked at me and said, okay, was my husband and said, I'm following your lead on this, but I'm not sure what you're doing. And honestly, I wasn't sure what I was doing, but I was listening for the first time. I was listening to my heart. I was listening to the little voice inside that said, you know, there could be a different way. There's a better way. We got to find a better way. Um, so I invite people to do that. I think that a lot of the, the people who doubt their ability is because they're listening to voices from that don't belong to them. Because I think that our true nature is one of pure possibility. And when we step into that place, we can be whoever and whatever we want. And, and do whatever we want. Yeah. Well put. What's what's uh what's next for you? You don't strike me as somebody who's very comfortable, like I'm done, I'm just gonna keep doing this for the rest of my life. Um, you have a very successful program in Santa Barbara. Uh, we, we're hopefully coming out of the pandemic. You know, I know that you had a lot of uh and everybody had a lot of impact from um, using spaces and, you know, uh, uh, having um, people inside and attendance and, and, and everything that every business had to deal with because of the state orders. So I know you're, you're dealing with that and you're trying to come through that. You have your Saturday class. Um, you know, what's, how do you motivate yourself and what's next for you as you sort of think about the next, you know, five, 10 years of, you know, of Josette and, and Zumba and Josette the person? Well, that's a, yeah, that's a pretty good question. COVID um, kind of helped me find my voice a little bit because, you know, I healed a disease and people, millions of people have RA and they have autoimmune disease and they don't even know that there's a possibility to heal naturally because all of the doctors are not all of them, but most of them are saying, I'm the doctor, you're the patient, you do what I tell you to do. I have the degree on the wall, you don't, so quiet down. And that kind of blind trust to me, only because of the experience that I went through is, is something that I would like to just kind of speak up a little bit about. And I've been terrified to speak up about it because, you know, I'm called a quack because I healed myself. And I remember um, even before COVID hit, I would start talking about, you know, let me give you some alternatives to alkalize your body or, you know, let's talk about gut healing. And I remember one person posted on a Facebook post said, you're just a conspiracy theorist quack. And I thought, oh my God, I just am trying to help people understand that I healed. So I shut up. And now with everything that's happening with COVID, I feel so strongly the, the need to speak up, first of all, to honor everybody where they're at, but to also just share my journey because 
I don't want to shut up anymore. This is my journey. I don't want to deny my journey. I did heal a disease naturally and I'm not the anomaly. I've met so many people that have. And I think that sharing information isn't dangerous. Sharing information gives people that second opinion that they should have. And then they can sit with their doctor and go, well, Josette did this. And if I eat greens all the time, how is that going to hurt me? You know, like that's not going to hurt me. So I'm, I'm, my hope is to speak up a little bit more about natural healing and taking care of our bodies, taking care of our minds, why, um, coming from an authentic place and trusting that authentic place is important. And of course I want to keep dancing. I hope to keep my business going and um, help people feel more comfortable uh, coming indoors and staying outside. I mean, thank God we live in this amazing city. I'm so lucky to have the opportunity to be at Chase Palm Park and, um, and keep dancing because that's catalyst for me. I mean, there were days when in the beginning of COVID that I wasn't dancing. And I think my poor husband was like, oh my God, you gotta go dance. What's like, when you're dancing, everything's good. When you're not dancing, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> so dancing yeah. is definitely gonna stick with it. Um, can you give me an idea of like, of your, your diet throughout the day? Maybe I'll take some notes here. I mean, are you eating salad all day uh, in the context of, uh, you know, you don't have RA anymore, but clearly you're maintaining a, a lifestyle that is different than, than you were prior. Okay. How do you manage that? What, what do you, what does your diet look like in a typical day? I mentioned I married an Argentine. So his <laughs> diet is beef and pasta and gummy bears and junk. And he <laughs> smokes a pack of Marlboros a day, my husband. And, and he's, he's probably like in perfect easy. shape, right? Regardless of all that. Yeah. never gets sick and he and I think he's like the only smoker in California I don't like <laughs> how do you keep smoking nobody smokes anymore like why would you but anyway that's beside the point um yeah I'm about 80 70 percent greens now we just we went um before COVID hit we went to the Dominican Republic and I had my first chocolate mousse in 10 years and that was it I was like oh my god I can't believe I haven't had chocolate in 10 years and <laughs> So now we, um, we have chocolate tastings in our house uh, once a week, my son, my husband and I, and we try and find the best chocolate. So I do eat mostly greens. Um, I eat a little organic chicken, some salmon, um, but red I try- hmm? Do you eat red meat? No. No. <laughs> I did, uh, I, do, I have to say, um, the other day, my husband had an asado because <laughs> that's what he does. He has, it's really funny. Somebody we invite, he, he invited people over for a barbecue and he doesn't have like the Weber like everybody else has. He has one of those giant Santa Maria grills that's on wheels. I mean, okay. it's on wheels. <laughs> Who has a barbecue on wheels? Mm -hmm. And he trailers it around wherever he goes because he doesn't trust other people's barbecue. Oh, wow. <laughs> And he has, you know, his cut wood and he has to do this thing. And he said, look, this is the best beef I've had. You have to try this. And I haven't, I haven't eaten beef in a while, but um, I did have a little bit of it and it was delicious for sure. But I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep because there was so much protein going through my body. So I try and stay alkaline. Um, I juice a lot. I, um, 
I, I just like to eat healthy stuff. I like to eat organic stuff, um, close to the earth, you know, natural, as natural as God can give it to you. I, I try and stay that way. Do you watch your dairy? I don't eat dairy. No dairy. Okay. And sugar, any sugar? Not, much. Not except for that chocolate. Except for that chocolate. It's interesting. You went to the Dominican Republic to try your first chocolate mousse. Well, I didn't, it was unintentional. We were at the club med there in Punta Cana and that was their specialty was chocolate mousse. And I thought I haven't had sugar in 10 years. And that was it for me. That was it for fitting into my jeans too. But that's another story. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, giving up sugar, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. But I obviously, objectively, we know it's really good for your body. But it's hard if you love sugar to do it, you know. You know it's-, it's interesting for me. I was in a position where I couldn't move. So I was kind of forced. And um, it wasn't that hard once I started it and committed to it. Once you make a decision to do something and you really decide um I think that just taking, you know, I, I always say it's the first three hours. If you can get through the first three hours committed to your decision, you're good. And then the first three days, once you're past that first three hours. So I take it in threes, mm-hmm. three, six, nine, like Tesla told us to do. Just three. All right. Well, can you talk us just a little bit as we wrap up here about your Zumba offerings and your class and where people can find you and how they can um, get uh, this every week, a little bit of Josette every week? That's awesome, Josh. Thank you. Yes, um, I am currently, we don't know how it's going to go down, but right now I'm temporarily back in the ballroom Monday okay. through Thursday. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, at 5.30 p.m. at the Korea Ballroom. Um which is the corner of Rio and Annapamu. Anna Kappa. Kappa, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's bad. <laughs> and then Saturday mornings at 11.30 at Chase Palm Park, uh, not the beach side, the, the, where the concert's in the park is, uh, where right. the stage is. So you're and back to five days a week now. So you, are, you have inside and then you have your Saturday. Okay. I do. And it's still, you know, we're still trying, we're, we're only limited to 10% capacity in the ballroom. So- okay. Um, I feel really good. I mean, that's another thing, you know, you know, we're in, we're coming out of a pandemic. So the most important, and I'm in the health bit and wellness business. So I want people to feel safe and I want people to feel healthy. Um, luckily my doctor, who is the one that declared me a medical miracle, she comes beautifully to my class. She feels safe, you know, um, she encourages other people. So that's really been a big help for me as well. Okay. Well, Josette, thank you for everything you do. You're very uh, inspirational. And I know you tried to get me to Zumba that day I was out there, but I was uh, very professional to get my work done. But uh, I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll check it out on the, Come on. the ballpark and sure be a lot of fun. Um, I did see a lot of people I knew out there. So I was like, whoa, I guess this is a small world. A lot of people know about Josette, you know, and everything you're doing. So anyway, thank you for the conversation about your experience and your journey and you know, your, um, just everything you do, because I think you're very inspirational. So thank you for taking the time. A privilege. Thanks, Josh. Okay. Good luck. Thank you.